0: Welcome to a special edition of the Midwest Marvel Podcast, and this is a special edition because I'm driving right now. I'm actually on the way back from vacation. My wife and I went to Tennessee. Uh, she's with me in the car, so she's going to be my special guest on a podcast unwillingly today, but she'll chime in with some opinions on occasion if I ask her, so you guys will get to hear her. I have no idea what the quality of this podcast is going to sound like because I'm using a very cheap microphone that I got on Amazon for $15. It's what I do my TikToks and all my other social media recordings with. So the quality is probably going to sound bad there. You're also going to hear the background noise from the cars. If I get honked at, you're going to hear that as well. So I apologize if this sounds like absolute garbage, but we're just going to go with it. And I also don't know if this is legal. Um, I don't know. Is this legal? Am I allowed to do this? I'm doing it anyway. Uh, I don't know. You're not allowed to talk on the phone in Indiana when you're driving, so I kind of feel like this might be the same. I don't know, but I don't really get the whole talking on the phone thing either because you're allowed to have a conversation with somebody that's in the same vehicle as you, and if you're on the phone, it's not like you're looking at anything when you're on the phone. You're just talking. So I don't see how that's different than somebody being in the car and you're talking to them, but... It is what it is. I guess we'll find out if it's legal or not if I end up getting pulled over. And if I do, you guys will hear that. It'll be a part of the podcast. We'll have another special guest, and he'll be a police officer. Um, Okay. Also, this is not going to be an advancedly edited version of the podcast, so I apologize. There may be some pauses. Uh, If a car pulls in front of me and cuts me off, you're going to hear about it. I'm not going to have time to go through and edit any of that out because I'm probably going to post this podcast shortly after I finish recording it here in the car, so... Yeah, you guys are getting a very, very special episode. If this sucks, I'll never do it again. If this somehow ends up being a hit, maybe I need to just find a way to drive around and do every single podcast a super low quality and it becomes my thing. And also, if it becomes a hit, that means Carly has to be a special guest every time because you guys must have liked her commentary and her opinion, so I'll rope her into all of it and she'll be doing it. We'll call it the Gnarly Podcast, Nick and Carly, so there you go. Uh, but... With our vacation, we went to Gatlinburg, visited some friends down in Knoxville. So while we were in vacation, just to give you guys a little fill-in on what we did, uh, let's see, what did we do? We went to activate, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of these places, they're in touristy spots of the country, and so like I think your big cities, places like that. But basically, you get a group of friends, I guess you could do it by yourself, but that, that'd be kind of lonely and depressing honestly you get a group of friends and you go into this place where they have a bunch of different rooms that you play games in and the games are like based on on all kinds of different things they just have really easy easily set up simple yet active games so like one of the games was they had a laser maze like these lasers came out of the wall and you had to try to get from one side of the room to the other without hitting the lasers And they had levels to it. So the first level was really easy. Like, you just had to crawl under some lasers. That was it. And then as you beat the levels, they got harder and harder, and you had a time frame that you had to do it in. Uh, So they had stuff like that. They had one where you throw these balls at targets as they light up. There were probably, what, like 15 different rooms, maybe? It's probably pretty, not that many. She said eight. We're going to go with eight. So somebody fact-check us online and see which one was closer, eight or 15. Um, It's probably around 10, to be honest. So yeah, that was cool. Um, we also had the best barbecue that we've ever had in our lives. Every time we're down in Gallenberg, if you're ever in that area, you need to go to a place called De Lauder's Barbecue. It is the biggest hole-in-the-wall restaurant you'll ever find. So when you look at it on the outside and even on the inside, you're, you're not going to be that impressed. But that's how you know barbecue is good. I feel like Mexican food's the same way. The more run-down the place is, the better the food's gonna be. If I walk into a barbecue place and it looks really classy and fancy, it's probably just gonna be mediocre. So you know it's gonna be good, but they have the best brisket, it melts in your mouth and falls apart as you're eating it. And the, the highlight of it though, is that they do this mac and cheese and I don't know what they do to it, aside from the fact that they definitely smoke the mac and cheese and it's also fried. But other than that, like is there crack on it? I don't know, it's insane. By far the best mac and cheese we've ever had pretty much everybody we take there says the same thing it's just delicious and to top it all off they give you a dum dumb sucker with your meal so it, it is the perfect meal that you could have um what else we went to this place called bucky's for those of you guys that live in the south that listen to this or have just traveled south you know of this place i had never heard of it until we went on this vacation uh it's just a gas station on steroids they have these all over the south i don't are they in the West at all? Western U.S.? I don't know if that's a thing. Definitely Southern U.S. It's a Southern thing for sure. Like, like the whole vibe is Southern. It's literally just a massive gas station. I'm talking, what do we say there were? Like 200 pumps? Like 250 gas pumps. That's wild. But the entire inside, it's like a convenience store, or not a convenience store, that's, that's underselling it. Uh, like a convenient superstore and a gas station mixed together they have all kinds of food they're like making fresh brisket pulled pork and sausage sandwiches right there they have this deli they have a bakery they have like all their own snacks that they make that were really good Uh, they have a ton of different icy selections it's wild if you don't like crowds you would absolutely hate this place you walk in and there's just hundreds maybe even like a thousand people in there at all times it's packed. Um, definitely an experience. You guys need to go check it out. Bucky's is, it it's really weird. I was trying to think of what some other things that you could do to like scale, make them really big. That's just standard stuff and have it get really successful. Like a gas station, something normal like that. I haven't gotten a thought yet, but if I think of something, we'll turn it into we'll turn it into an idea and make millions and millions of dollars off of it but okay sorry i promise i'm going to talk about actual like nerd stuff we're going to talk about secret invasion episode two that's the main focus of today's podcast but just wanted to give you guys some insight into our vacation uh i also walked away with some really cool marvel shirts and some socks i got moon knight socks and a zelda shirt so successful vacation for me oh and i saw a bear saw live bears bears are my favorite animal we were driving up to our cabin on the first day, and a bear, was, a bear and her cubs were literally 10 feet away from our car, so we got to stop and take a video of that, and I was geeking out. So that tells you everything you need to know about me. If we had done nothing else the rest of our vacation, my vacation was still made, so that's just kind of how I am. Okay, before—this guy's riding my butt—before uh, we get into The Secret Invasion Episode 2, I wanted to do something fun that I saw online— A couple weeks ago, and I posted about it on my TikTok. So if you follow me on there, you may have seen it at Midwest Marvel Guy. Check it out there or on Instagram. Same exact handle. This guy really will not get off my tail. Sorry, dude. Um, So someone on Twitter posted this a few weeks back, and it really got me thinking. Their question was, who would win in a sitcom sitcom Hunger Games? And they gave you the pictures of four different casts of different shows and you can only take the main characters now just as an fyi it's not cast versus cast it's which individual character from all those casts combined is winning the hunger game so at some point the people from the casts will have to the characters will have to take each other out from the same shows they could form alliances but eventually just like in the real hunger games those alliances will have to end and there's only going to be one winner we're not going to do a hunger games thing where it's two simultaneous winners one left standing. So the different the different shows and main characters were uh, Friends, New Girl, Community, and Parks and Rec. So I'd be really curious to hear your guys' thoughts. This is definitely one to send us an email about Midwest Marvel Guy at gmail.com. So going show by show, if we start with friends, the friends cast they're, toast. They're getting absolutely dog-walked. Not a single character from this cast I don't think is making it into the top half. Uh, in my opinion, the person that's making it the farthest from the Friends cast is probably Monica. She seems the feistiest and the most competitive. Uh, Carly, this is where I'm roping you in. You had a different thought. Who did you think was making it furthest from the Friends cast? I thought Ross would make it the furthest since he's a scientist. He knows some plant stuff <laughs> <laughs> he knows plants he sounds like a pothead he knows know. plant stuff he might be a pothead I, yeah i i could see ross fitting that bill uh yeah that's actually a good point though ross would ross would have the survival of skills way more than anybody else from the friends cast which honestly would come in handy he could make it far just because he may try to hide off in the shadows and just use his survival skills and knowledge of everything science to really keep him alive. Eventually whenever it comes to him having to fight anybody, I think that's when he's done, but he could make it for for far. Some people have also said Phoebe, which honestly makes a lot of sense because in order to win the Hunger Games and I take this philosophy with a lot of the characters, you definitely need a level of psychotic to get to a certain level into the Hunger Games and Phoebe 100% has that. Now, I don't know if she has the survival skills, but she is she's psycho. I could see her going pretty far just for that reason alone. Joey's, Joey's done. He's not lasting long. Same for Rachel. Um, I don't see Chandler going very far either. So that's the Friends cast. The cast of New Girl, I also, God bless them, I don't think any of them are going very far either. Uh, I just don't feel like any of them have the skills. Um, I think that out of that cast the one that's going furthest is my 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 pick is winston and carly's got a different pick and honestly hers probably makes a little bit more sense than mine does so she's probably more correct on this my pick is winston because i think that winston is just going to see this as an opportunity to prank a whole bunch of people and his pranks will just end up ending in the deaths of the people that he's pranking unintentionally he's not going to mean to kill anybody it's just going to happen Uh, and then eventually one of those pranks will backfire and it's going to take himself out but you said you said you thought Nick Miller would make it the farthest right? Correct Why Nick Miller? I feel like he's just dirty, (laughs) he's okay with just being outdoors, he doesn't have high standards, he'll just like go pass out under a bush for a day or two be his hermit self and then come out and half the games will already be over and he's fine yeah, that yeah. If if any of the new girl characters were to be homeless and like be, can you be successful being homeless? I don't know, but if any of the new girl characters could be successfully homeless, it's a hundred percent Nick. Like, just throw that man in the wild, and yeah, like he. The thing that's going to kill Nick is like one. Either eventually he comes out and somebody kills him after he's sleeping in the bushes, or two. There's no shot that Nick has any knowledge of like what to eat and what not to. Nick would just get hungry and eat the first thing he sees, and if it just so happens to be a poisonous berry like that nightlock, then Nick's done for. That's it. But, but yeah. Honestly, I feel like he probably would outlast, uh, outlast Winston just out of stubbornness. I don't see anybody else. Schmidt would be the first to go. You said this, too. Schmidt would be one of the first to go just because there aren't fine linens and he wouldn't be pampered. Uh, someone did say, though, shout out Beeman. You know who you are. Uh, he did. Someone did say that Schmidt could make it a little far just because he would probably get the most donations from people in the capital just because he's a pretty boy. But again, those are only going to get you so far. You can't actually win the game with that. So, yeah. That, see, yeah, yeah. CC could get donations too. Uh, yeah. So, that's the New Girl cast. The, the Dark Horse cast, and, and the cast that I think will have the most people go far would be the community cast. So the community cast has a lot of potential winners here. Uh, First and foremost, the community cast all went through the paintball games episodes. So they have tactical knowledge and strategic knowledge of how to just handle combat situations with, which I think would really come in handy. Now, quite a few of those cast members still aren't going to make it super far. Troy rest his soul. He's actually alive, the character, but, but he, he wouldn't make it very far in hunger games. Um, who else? Uh, P- Pierce. Pierce would be gone in a heartbeat. Um, Shirley, I think... Like, Don't sleep on Shirley. She's fierce. I feel like if Shirley gets backed into a corner, uh, it's going to be really tough. And I don't think she'd win, but I do think she'd be ruthless. And I think there's a level of psychotic to her as well. But the the definite dark horse and potential winner for everything would be Abed from that cast. I think Abed is a super genius. He definitely is the most calculated out of everybody. He can also adapt his personality to literally anything. So if he decided that he just wanted to become this ruthless savage, he would absolutely be that. And so I could see Abed winning the whole thing. I don't have him as my winner, but I could see him going very far. Is that who you had? I can't remember who you said from from the community cast. Yeah, we pretty much agreed on that one. Now, the last cast is the Parks and Rec cast. So the Parks and Rec cast. Uh, this did not include Jerry. the The picture on the tweet did not include Jerry or Gary or however you want to put Larry, whatever name you want to give him. He was not in that. And honestly, on first guess or like just first estimation, I would definitely pick Jerry to be you know one of the first out for the Parks and Rec cast. But after I thought about it, how poetic would it be if? jerry actually won the whole thing and just like in the show jerry is secretly good at so many things and the cast just dogs him and underestimates him how funny would it be if jerry was actually this fantastic survivalist you know used to be a soldier had some kind of background that would enable him to be really good in this situation and just ends up winning or just accidentally wins the whole thing in a a jerry fashion uh but again he's not included in it so that would be funny though with the Parks and Rec cast, Leslie, I don't think is making it very far at all. She would definitely be prepared, but I think it would spiral out of control pretty quickly for her. Uh, I think Anne would also be in a same boat. I just don't know that Anne has the toughness. Uh, Andy, Andy Dwyer. I said to Andy Dwyer, he'd probably get out early, but the one way that I think he survives is similar to what Carly said about Nick Miller. I think Andy just like wanders off and gets lost. And ends up coming out like three days later and the games are almost over. And and then he gets taken out. I don't think he's actually going to be able to take anybody out. But I could see him just getting lost like he did in the episode where Leslie takes the whole crew camping and Andy can't find their campsite because he goes to the wrong place. That would be Andy in the Hunger Games. Uh, the other way Andy stays alive is if April keeps him alive through an alliance, which would definitely be a possibility. Uh, speaking of April, she is definitely... she to me she's top two as far as winning I think it comes down to her and Ron April is definitely psychotic enough to win the whole thing it's a game built around death so she was literally born for that and I feel like she has enough savagery to really go the whole distance uh and then Ron Swanson of course I feel like he was definitely the most obvious pick for it he's an outdoorsman so he's going to have, have the outdoorsman survivalist thing i don't even know that he needs a weapon at the start i think he could go fashion his own weapon and he's going to survive just fine he's going to be able to set traps because he knows how to do that stuff so he's going to have traps set throughout the arena uh he's going to know what to eat and what not to eat he's going to be able to hunt for his food uh Kurt, Carly, you did have an interesting uh, observation about Ron and what might be some of the stuff to take him out regarding food. What were your thoughts on that? Depending on the arena that they go in, if it's arena without much um, animal meat where he can't hunt for his food, he will die before he eats the food that his food eats. So he won't eat any vegetation and he could just kill himself from starvation. Yeah, and, and actually, that's that's a phenomenal point. Like That would just be a massive twist of fate, remove all the animals from the arena knowing that Ron thrives on eating meat. And I think that he would rather die, not only to not eat vegetation, but I think he would rather die just as a statement of, like, I'm not going to submit to the authority of this governing body because he's that much of a libertarian than try to keep himself alive in the games and honestly now that I say that I could see him just like not really participating for that reason at all because he's not going to succumb to the what the capital wants them to do and so he just kind of gives up from the get-go so I don't know Ron's a dark horse or, or he he's a wild card the more that I think about it and I could see him definitely losing but did you pick Ron or April to win? I can't remember. April. You picked April. Okay. And honestly, the more I talk about it, I feel like April might be the pick too. April and Abed as a final showdown would be so interesting. I don't... Yeah. That would... Because... Yeah. Yeah. Would April just like push Abed to the edge and he just snaps and becomes like evil Abed? Like the, the dark isn't there? Yeah. There's like the dark dimension version of Abed. Dude. Imagine if that Abed came out. It'd be game over. All right. All right so that's the hunger games discussion i want to know what you guys think make sure you email send in your thoughts uh comment on social media again that video is up so i'd love you guys to find that and comment and let me know who who you guys would pick for the hunger games but let's go ahead and get into secret invasion episode two so there will be spoilers for this if you have not seen secret invasion episode two and you don't want it to be spoiled Uh, like this podcast episode, save it to your favorites, and then come back later if you don't want it to be spoiled. If you do, uh, that's okay. I know some people who don't mind spoilers. One of Carly's best friends, Miranda, I know you don't listen to the show, but if you do or happen to stumble upon it, we're talking about you. Um, She, doesn't she look in the last pages of every book she reads so she knows how it ends? Yeah, that's talk about psychotic behavior. That is psychotic behavior right there. Who who does that? If you do that, let us know. I want I want to know if there are more people like that out there. But I just don't understand wanting everything to be spoiled. I like the surprises. I feel like it ruins the entire journey if I know exactly how it's going to end. So, but yeah, all that to say, spoilers ahead for Secret Invasion, episode two. Uh, this episode was awesome. I thought that. This episode was exponentially better than episode one, and I liked episode one. But I thought that this episode had a lot of really good stuff. It had really good action at parts. It had incredible dialogue, including a couple of really heavy conversations the one being between Nick Fury and Talos, and the other being between Nick Fury and, um, oh, what's her face? Maria Hill's mom, which to me, I feel like that confirms that she is 100% gone at this point. I don't expect her to come back at all. At the end of episode one, I kind of thought she might be back. Now I don't think that's the case at all. I really think she's gone. Um, unless, yeah, I, I just don't feel like she was a scroll. I think we would have seen her transform back into a scroll when she was dying. So to me, I just feel like the only time that we're going to see her are in flashbacks. And then the third deep conversation, which I think is the most interesting by far, and we'll get into it, is the conversation between Nick Fury and between uh, Rhodey. And I think that is a very telling conversation in a lot of ways. So we'll talk about that and what that could mean for the whole rest of the show because there are some impl- implications there. And this guy is turning. Oh, okay, there's an exit up here. Sorry, like I said, you guys are going to get driving commentary as things unfold. So it should be pretty smooth sailing here. We just passed Cincinnati, one of my all-time favorite cities. Um, I don't know, Cincinnati just cool. There seems to be a lot to do there. It's pretty close to where we are. It's only about a three-hour drive away from where we live and there's really good food in cincinnati they got a pretty cool zoo if you're into zoos we go to zoos during um during winter time a lot of them have really neat christmas light setups and so we'll check that out that's pretty fun to do so yeah shout out cincinnati um okay back to secret invasion i really feel like i said this before i think on the last episode I really do feel like Secret Invasion has all the makings of being the best MCU Disney Plus show. I don't think my wife agrees. She likes a show she you like it, you don't love it, right? right. It's a little slower for your taste right now. Right. Um, what is your favorite show of all the Marvel Disney? Ooh. We haven't talked about this. I'm putting her on the spot so she doesn't she didn't know I was going to ask this. But let's let's see where the shows. You got WandaVision, you have Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you have Hawkeye, good. you have Loki. Moon Knight, um, Miss Marvel. uh, (laughs) uh, What else was there? Uh, She Hulk. um, Did I say She Hulk? I didn't say She Hulk. She Hulk is up there. She Hulk's up there. Wanda's up there. Wanda's up there. Those are good choices. Um, Hawkeye's up there. Hawkeye, Hawkeye, yeah. Hawkeye was just a very fun show. I don't feel like there was much wrong with Hawkeye. That's what I'm here for. I just want a fun time. Here for a good time. Uh, you guys may not agree with She-Hulk. I know She-Hulk got a lot of hate. I like She-Hulk too, though. So, and, and you guys know my my thoughts about that show. I thought it got a lot of unnecessary hate. It was a very fun and funny show. It was different. It was di- it, it was different. It definitely had some misses. Not every episode was great. Um, there were some episodes that yeah, you could could have done without them. But it was an entertaining show. But. To me, I think Secret Invasion could be the best MCU show. I I love the tone of the show. The dark, gritty, serious tone. Like, the mysterious tone of the show is 100% right up my alley. I said in a TikTok video months and months ago that I thought this show could be the best MCU show because I thought it was going to be a lot like Captain America the Winter Soldier where there were twists and turns at almost every angle. And it was a spy thriller, espionage type show, which it is. And it would have the same vibe as what The Winter Soldier had. And to me, so far, I feel like it's it's correct. Definitely not as much action. It's much more dialogue-based so far. I think we'll get more action as time goes on. But I still love the vibe of the show. There is a cop coming up. I think he's going to pull somebody over. Maybe he's getting off on this exit. I don't know. He's not coming after me. So that's all I'm worried about. But, uh, okay, yeah, he's he's gone. Crisis averted. But, yeah, so I think that this show has a lot of potential the question is going to be if the show can stick the landing so with the marvel shows every show has for the most part has had the six episode format which i don't understand at all and i don't understand why they went with it for this show maybe they already had it locked in and they couldn't change it it was already filmed after the six episode format started getting flamed and roasted by everybody because it's just terrible so maybe they were locked in i don't know i really hope we don't see any more of that format moving forward because it just does not give enough time to fit everything into a show that you want. It makes the pacing awful. It yeah, it it just feels weird. I feel like 8 episodes needs to be the minimum. If you do 8 episodes, to me that's enough to allow it to space out and pace well. But so far so far so good. Can it stick the landing with that? Tonally, I think it'll be consistent the whole way. That's been another issue with Marvel shows. Moon Knight, one of my favorites, but it was a um I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but it, it was guilty of that. It was guilty of not being tonally consistent the whole way the show switched up a little bit from what it wanted to be. It started out super, super mysterious, which I think was the right vibe to go with for the show. Then it turned into an Indiana Jones thing for a while, which was okay, but it felt a little weird. And then it was mysterious again for the Asylum episode, which I loved. And then it became a really big CGI fight. Uh, in the sixth episode, which still had cool moments, but again, just was different tonally from the rest of the episode. So yeah, all the Disney Plus shows have had that for the most part. I really hope that they keep it with this series tone. I don't see it switching. If it somehow turned into a much funnier show toward the end, it would just be so out of place. Um, So yeah, I think I think it's got a shot. Pacing will be the biggest thing. And are they going to turn it into some big CGI fight toward the end? I could see it, but I hope not. Um, okay. Let's talk a couple specifics from this. So the first thing I want to talk about is that ep- that scene with Rhodey and Nick Fury where they're having the discussion in the restaurant. Because I think that this scene right here, that to me is the telltale sign that Rhodey is 100% a scroll. I think without a shadow of a doubt, Rhodey is a scroll, and I think that scene clearly gives it away. I don't think they're trying to hide it. I don't think that the show, the creators of the show, think that they have us fooled. At this point, it seems like everybody's in in agreement that Rhodey might be a might be a scroll. People thought it before this episode, but now I feel like this is where we have our confirmation of it. Or maybe they're gonna they they could have it as a red herring for us. It could be one of those things where they want us to believe he's a, he's a scroll and then they flip it on its head. And it turns out that he's not to me. The reason that this scene identifies him as a scroll is because one, he calls fury Nick, which I can't remember in what like movie or, you know, yeah. What, what MCU project it is but Nick Fury definitely establishes and it might be Captain Marvel definitely establishes that nobody calls him Nick not even his mother calls him Nick his own mother calls him Fury that's what he said and so for Rhodey somebody who knows Nick Fury knows him well for Rhodey to call him Nick just seemed really out of character and if what Nick Fury said about everybody else calling him Fury is true that to me seems out of place that seems like something a scroll would do not something that Rhodey would do so that's number one. Number two, Rhodey makes the suggestion that Nick Fury should call the Avengers, he, he refers to them as their friends, that Nick Fury should call their friends and bring him into this situation and use them to help win this fight against the Skrulls. Nick Fury intelligently says no. And the reason he says no is because could you imagine, uh, could you imagine what would happen if they brought... If they brought the, the Avengers into that fight, and I talked about this in the last podcast episode, but if they if they brought the Avengers in, suddenly you have a situation where Skrulls start impersonating Avengers, Skrulls start committing heinous acts as Avengers, and suddenly the tarnish of the reputation or the tarn the, the the reputation of the Avengers is tarnished in the public eye. You're seeing these Avengers do these awful things. And not only that, the trust that's built within the team is gone because nobody knows who's a scroll and who's not. It would, To me, it would create more chaos than Civil War did for the Avengers. And so I think it's very obvious that Nick Fury cannot call the Avengers. Uh, that being said, when Nick Fury tells Rhodey no, that's when the conversation shifts. That's when all of a sudden Rhodey starts becoming much more abrasive. He becomes a lot more irritated. And to me... That's because as a scroll, Rhodey wants the Avengers to show up just for that reason. If you're trying to crumble Earth and, and the U.S., that would be a perfect way to do it. You start with the team that is your biggest threat to taking over the Earth, and if you can get them involved and get them to crumble from within the inside, it's going to be a lot more, a lot easier to take over Earth. So, I think Rhodey's reaction to Nick refusing to call the Avengers was telling. I also think Rhodey's reaction to Um, Nick letting him know that there is a scroll secret invasion happening in the first place, I thought that was telling as well. Because Rhodey doesn't seem worried. And and Rhodey, I I think actual Rhodey, would have been very worried about that. And to me, he just brushed it off and acted as though Nick didn't know what he was talking about. And he's kind of just lost his mind almost. You know, Nick's past his prime. And he's been in space for a while. So he doesn't really have a good feel for what's going on on Earth. And Rhodey just kind of discredits him. And, and again, I don't think real Rhodey would do that. I think he would take this as a much more serious threat than what he actually did. Uh, because again, why would the scroll Rhodey really get in-depth with this investigation? He doesn't want to investigate the scrolls. He wants them to stay undercover. And so of course he's going to brush it off as something that's not actually happening or not really real. Um, so yeah, for all those reasons... I feel like Rhodey is definitely a scroll. I don't think that's going to be the big scroll reveal in the show, though, and I'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, there is one person, though, that I'm seeing a lot of people say that they feel like is a scroll that I don't think is a scroll at all, and that's the President of the United States. So, in the show, we know that, uh, gosh, I can't remember that actor's name. He's he, he's in uh, McDermott. McDermott. McDermott uh, what's his first name? I don't actually know his name, but he's a good-looking man. Aside from that, I don't really know anything about him. I forget what show he's actually in. Um, But he's the President of the United States. President Ritson is his name. And I don't think the President is a scroll. Reason being um, is because I feel like even though the scrolls having control over the President of the United States would be super beneficial to them, it obviously wouldn't. If they were trying to crumble the U.S., that would be a great way to do it. I think there's an even better way for them to do it. I think that with Rhodey being a scroll, I think he's actually going to end up taking out the president. And I think it's going to happen publicly to where people are going to see that an Avenger or someone who looks like an Avenger has taken out the president of the United States. What's that going to do? That's going to crumble the Avengers again. That's going to tarnish their reputation. People aren't going to trust the Avengers. And that's going to be a big direct blow to them it's also going to take out the president of the free world. The other reason I think that is because somehow, some way, there's a changing of the guard with the president of the United States between now and Captain America, New World Order. Because we know in Cap 4 that Thunderbolt Ross, played by Harrison Ford, is actually the president of the United States. And so there has to be some way that the president... Changes and to me, I feel like the president being taken out in this show is probably the best way for that to happen. Now, the other obvious answer could be that his term is just almost over, and if he is captured by scrolls and he's imitated, he's just like, no, nope, you know what? I'm done. I'm resigning. And Thunderbolt Ross takes over uh, and and has to be like an interim thing, and so he hops in and assumes that role. That could very well be it. I could be looking way too much into it, but I want to know what you guys think. Let me know if you think that uh, President Ritson is a scroll or if he isn't and what could happen with that but I could definitely see that happening Um, okay let's talk about uh, Gravik the villain in the show or I guess antagonist I don't I I don't feel like he's full-on villain I mean he definitely does villainous things so in that sense he is a villain but he's again one of those villains that Marvel does very well in terms of being a sympathetic villain you understand why Gravik's pissed off his methods are extreme in what he's going to But you understand why he's mad. Him and his people were promised this, like not this planet, but they were promised a planet by Fury and a new home where they could all relocate as a community and then Fury basically abandoned them. And Captain Marvel, someone who's powerful enough to make that happen, also abandoned them. And we don't fully know why she did. We kind of got an idea of why Fury did, but we don't also know the entire story there. I think we'll find it out more as the show goes on. But... They were never given this planet. And we now find out that all of the scrolls, all million of them, or how many are left, but Talos estimated there to be a million, are still on Earth. And Gravik is leading the revolution with scrolls trying to take over Earth because he's pissed that they never got their planet. So they're going to take the one that Nick Fury inhabits. And honestly, it makes a lot of sense. I understand why they're mad. Um, and yeah, I get it. Again, methods are extreme. Uh, Obviously blew up an entire town square in Moscow. Not a good thing. But again, he's a villain that you do sympathize with at some point. And I love the fact that we're getting to see in episode two, we saw a lot more of him we saw a lot more of his backstory we saw kind of the inner workings of his organization and the episode kind of followed him more than it followed almost anybody else and i love that because other disney plus shows in my opinion for marvel have been missing that for the most part we don't even get our villain reveals until the last episode or so with the disney plus marvel shows which i think is by and large dumb i don't think it works um Except for Loki, I thought the Loki reveal worked really well. With He Who Remains, it made a lot of sense to do it. That way, for every other show, to me, it just didn't make sense at all. I love that we get a deep dive into our villain this early on, and he already has more depth than any other Disney Plus Marvel villain um, that I think we've seen so far. Um, I also love that this, this dude is ruthless, and he's... I mean, I was pretty shocked by some of the graphic nature of this episode I said in the first episode that it really felt as though it were a Netflix Marvel show rather than a Disney Plus Marvel show just because of the nature and that was magnified even more so in this because like we saw a dude's finger get cut off in this episode not something I thought I was ever gonna see in a Disney Plus show we also saw Gravik put some guy on a meat hook in the middle of a fight like didn't think I was gonna see that one that wasn't on my bingo card either I mean, it's just a gritty show, and I love the fact that uh, Disney is willing to go there. It gives me hope for shows like Daredevil that are coming up. Now, I still hope that Daredevil gets a TVMA rating just because I think that character needs to be a little darker and grittier, and I think it fits that genre a little bit more, but watching a show like this gives me hope that even if they choose to go the PG-13 way, I think that they can make it work. Um... And, and that was a question a lot of people had. So I wouldn't be as disappointed now after seeing what they've done with the first couple episodes of Secret Invasion as I would have been, you know, even a few weeks back. So it gives me hope with that. But back to Gravik. I love his backstory. I love the fact that he was a part of the original revolution that Nick Fury was trying to start and, and Nick Fury, they found him and kind of enlisted him. Uh, one theory that's floating around that I've seen and actually makes a ton of sense is that Gravik could actually be Nick Fury's adopted son that maybe Nick Fury early on when they first found Gravik and enlisted him and, and cared for him Nick Fury adopted him and eventually that relationship went sour because Fury obviously didn't deliver on what he promised and that makes it a whole lot more complicated within the story and I think there are some holes within that theory that can make it fall apart, especially because Nick Fury does kind of abandon everybody, but it also makes sense it, it it would also make more sense as to why Fury hesitated so much in episode 1 when he had an opportunity to shoot Gravik in the middle of the square in Moscow and when he had an opportunity to shoot Gravik in the middle of the square in Moscow and hesitated and didn't do it. I think that that makes a whole lot more sense because that seemed very anti-fury, right? Nick Fury, I feel like, wouldn't really hesitate to shoot somebody in that situation, especially somebody that was that much of a threat, and you had literally just witnessed him kill thousands and thousands of people. But if that person was, you know, your son, it would be a lot harder to do that. So, I don't know. That's a theory floating around. It wouldn't surprise me if that was actually true, but... I guess we'll see as things go up. Um, Okay. Another thing that's revealed in this episode is that Gravik and the rest of the scrolls that are a part of that resistance, they are actively trying to find out a way where they can basically absorb the powers of the hosts that they're trying to imitate. So, we see that there is a scientist that's working on trying to extract the DNA of four different subjects that we're familiar with in the MCU one of them is Groot one of them is Cole Obsidian who is one of Thanos's henchmen in Infinity War he's the one that gets his hand cut off in the battle with the Hulk toward the beginning and Doctor Strange and Iron Man he gets his arm cut off in the park that's Cole Obsidian big giant dude the other is Extremis, which is the virus that Aldrich Killian uses in Iron Man Three to make, um, basically make himself and his henchmen uh, not immortal, but but very very difficult to kill. They have like you know they can shoot flames, basically. They can um, regenerate body parts. They become extremely powerful. So they've found that virus and they're using that. And then the fourth thing is, uh, now now I'm blanking, The Frost Beast. The Frost Beast from Thor The Dark World. If you don't remember it because it's Thor The Dark World, that's perfectly okay, that movie was garbage. Um, But The Frost Beast, big giant beast, and at one point it does end up on Earth in that movie, and so uh, that's how they're getting all these different DNA samples. Cole Obsidian was on Earth, Groot was on Earth in Infinity War, Extremis obviously, and then The Frost Beast. They find these different parts of these monsters, or people, or virus, And they're trying to extract the DNA so that they can find a way to use those powers and just make themselves stronger. And what I think this is leading to is I think this is leading to the creation of the super scrolls that we see in the comics. If you don't know what the super scrolls are, they're basically scrolls that have enhanced powers, exactly what we're seeing the scrolls trying to do right now. They aren't just people with the ability or aliens with the ability to transform into likeness of whoever they want they can also like they also are genetically mutated to have powers and the first super scroll in the comics actually absorbs or yeah gets the powers of the fantastic four so obviously the fantastic four aren't in the mcu right now so that can't happen but what's interesting is if you look at the power sets of the four different subjects that the scrolls are trying to extract dna from it actually is really similar to the power sets of the Fantastic Four, right? So Groot has the ability to stretch his limbs just like Mr. Fantastic does. Uh, Extremis has the ability of like combustion and using fire just like the Human Torch would. And then you have the Thing and his counterpart would be Colossus, Obsidian who's very large, very, very strong and also has an incredibly tough exterior and skin. And then the fourth one, uh, gosh, I'm I'm blanking on her name. Uh, I want to say Elastigirl. She's from the Incredibles. That's uh, that's not at all. Why? Like, why am I blanking on the name of the 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 female in the Fantastic Four? I have no idea. Anyway, her name's gonna come back to me in a second. I'm so bad at this. Uh, anyway, her power is not only invisibility, but her power is also being able to create a force field. I don't really know that that fully matches with the frost beast but uh the frost beast could kind of create a barrier of like ice which i guess is barrier creating in a way so maybe maybe there's a uh yeah maybe there's a parallel there gosh it's really gonna bother me sue storm Storm, gosh why yeah why was that so hard for me i don't know the invisible woman that's what her actual name like alias is geez yeah points deducted from me for that yeah, so I just think it's really interesting and, and kind of cool that with the Fantastic Four being absent of the MCU, they're still able to somewhat follow the Super Scroll storyline that we see in the comics. And in the comics, I think that the super the original Super Scroll and I keep forgetting his name, and I'm not going to try to remember it. But I think that he is the character that Gravik is largely based on. Gravik isn't really based on anybody like any one person in the comics he's kind of a pull from a bunch of different people but I think more or less he's going to be the one that's going to adapt these powers we know for a fact that he's going to get the ability to stretch his limbs and use Groot like powers because we see a shot of that in a trailer so to some degree the experiments the experiments become successful does he end up getting all the powers I don't know but we know that he becomes somewhat of a super scroll which is going to be really interesting because how is Nick Fury and Talos? and uh Gia, how are they going to be able to stop a super scroll if they don't themselves have powers and the Avengers aren't involved in this it's really going to be tough and I'm interested to see what happens uh speaking of Gia, I don't really know at this point where she stands I don't feel like we really got answers in this episode but I'm not 100% certain that she didn't intentionally set Nick Fury up and Talos up during this whole uh seen in moscow it seemed as though she was on their side and she had agreed to turn on gravik but i mean i mean gosh all the bags that she told them to mark or she said she marked ended up being empty so either she knew those bags were empty or gravik intentionally is withholding information from her because he's on to her which i think is a definite thing um I think he definitely suspects that she's working with Talos or working with somebody. He just seems a little bit skeptical of her in this episode. He doesn't say anything about it, but to me, he just seems a little bit guarded against her, and I think it's because he knows that there's something up. I don't know if he fully knows, but he like he's a pretty smart dude. To me, I think he's going to turn on her at some point. I don't know that she's going to make it throughout the show. I can see her being a character that gets taken out, and it'll be a pretty highly emotional moment for Talos and for her, but, uh, but yeah, I think Gravik definitely sus- suspects something. So yeah, um, let's see. Other things that happened in this episode. Sorry, I'm kind of going off the cuff here because I have a little bit of notes, but it's not super deep. Um, we do find out, like, Fury has a wife. Nick Fury's had a wife this entire time. And not only does he have a wife, his wife is a scroll, And we don't know... Fully, if Nick Fury actually knows that his wife's a scroll or not, because we see her transform from a scroll into his, like in, into a human. Yeah, that's the word for that species. Us. Um, we see her transform it from a scroll into a human before he walks in the door. Why would you do that? I mean, aside from maybe just knowing that since he is human himself, that obviously that's just more appealing. To, I don't know. That like that just seems weird something seems off there i don't know if he fully knows his wife's a scroll uh we do know that his wife is the same scroll woman that is shown in the flashback scene at the beginning of the episode so i don't know if there's anything to that there um it very well could be that he knows and that she just changes into a human for preference for him but that was a twist i did not see coming uh both him having a wife and the wife being a scroll uh if he doesn't know she's a scroll man that's really going to throw a wrench in things at some point in the series but yeah, very, very interesting development there that I was excited about. Um, last thing I want to talk about, this will be a shorter episode, I think. I can't actually see how long I've been doing this for, so uh, maybe I'm going long. But last thing I want to talk about, one thing that Marvel has said before the show even started is that there's going to be a heartbreaking reveal of somebody being a scroll in this show. To me, when you talk about a heartbreaking reveal, it means that some, like somebody that we care a lot about emotionally, it's gonna be revealed that everything we thought we knew about this person is not true at all and that we've been led astray basically this entire the entire time that we've known this character, right? That's what a heartbreaking reveal would be to me. I'm trying to think of all the characters that this could apply to for the show. Assuming that there are no more major cameos, we haven't heard that there are any other major cameos like we saw Everett Ross that version of Ross was a scroll. we don't know for how long but to me that wasn't heartbreaking at all uh wasn't even that shocking a lot of people thought that he was probably a scroll when they saw that he was involved in the series to begin with so there's no way that that's the actual heartbreaking reveal it doesn't seem to be Maria Hill I think that would have gotten revealed unless we see it in a flashback but again is that really going to be heartbreaking we didn't see a ton of her so I know some people have a little emotional attachment to her, but to me, it's not enough for Marvel to advertise that as a a big heartbreaking, shocking thing that's just going to change the trajectory of the MCU. That's not her. Rhodey is the other option. We know he's in the show, but again, everybody already thinks he's a scroll at this point. Um, if it was revealed that he's been a scroll this entire time, again, I I don't know. Maybe other people have more of an emotional attachment to Rhodey than I do. But if you told me that Rhodey's been a scroll since like. Gosh, I don't know Iron Man three. I don't I don't know that I'd be that heartbroken. I, I mean, it'd be shocking for sure, but would it would it break my heart? Probably not. So to me, I don't know who else it could possibly be. I don't think it would be an Avenger because we know that the Scrolls don't yet have the ability to actually use the powers of the people that they are imitating. So they could be an Avenger, but they would never be able to do the Avenger powers. And so we would have known. That an Avenger was a scroll at this point because something would have been off. And so, unless, like, gosh, like, I mean, even the human Avengers, like Hawkeye and uh, uh, Black Widow, like, they don't have superpowers necessarily, but they do have super skills that I don't think the scrolls would just be able to imitate either. Like, you, you couldn't just pick up a bow and arrow and suddenly be as accurate as Hawkeye. That man has an insane skill. So, even with him, I don't think he could be a scroll. To me, if there is indeed a heartbreaking reveal for a scroll in this show, my pick is that it's Nick Fury. I think that Nick Fury could be the scroll that they're talking about, that his reveal is going to break our hearts. And I think Nick Fury has possibly been a scroll since Captain America the Winter Soldier when Nick Fury dies in that movie. And then, of course, we know that he seemingly comes back to life and that he faked his own death. But what if he didn't? What if Nick Fury never faked his own death? What if he actually died and they had a scroll take his place because Maria Hill knew just how important it was to have the like like the symbolism of Nick Fury live on, like like his image live on because he she knew that the Avengers would need that. She knew that not Shield because Shield was corrupt at that point, but but she knew that just the the movement for helping build superhuman teams and help uh, fostered a relationship between the people of Earth and the Scrolls, all that stuff she knew how important that was to keep Nick Fury alive and if he died a lot would have been lost especially the Avengers what if Nick Fury is not who he says he is now as far as plot holes go I, like, I don't know where that theory falls apart there are definitely theories online as to why he might be a scroll. There's the the bread theory that at one point Nick Fury mentions that he only likes his toast cut up in triangles. And there's a scene where he's eating toast or eating bread and it's not cut up in that way. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, he's, you know, that's not the real Nick Fury. He would never eat his toast that way. I don't, I don't know if there's actually any credibility to that. It could have just been a throwaway line and, and a continuity error. But man like that to me would be a heartbreaking moment because Nick Fury is a character that has been so crucial to the MCU and if it turns out that he's not who he says he is that would be a pretty heartbreaking reveal I don't know that's the only reveal that I can think of that would actually fit the bill of what Marvel is advertising with that I would love to know what you guys think Um, let me know maybe there's somebody that I'm missing and somebody that I'm not, not thinking about but I don't know that like that just makes a lot of sense they would definitely have to explain a lot of things with that though right because one nobody else could know that at that point like like that scroll would have to have been committed to playing the persona of Nick Fury for the rest of his life and it's clear that no other scrolls know that he's not Nick Fury right Talos clearly thinks that it's Nick Fury so he would have to continue that um would the wife know that he's a scribe? Like, I don't know. There's so many questions that would have to get answered, which is where the theory could fall apart. But I don't know. I'm just going off of the, um, off of the message that Marvel gave where there's a heartbreaking score reveal. So we'll see. I don't know, but that's pretty much all I have for you guys today. I know, uh, yeah, a little bit of a convoluted episode on the road. I, hey, I didn't get into a wreck. I didn't get pulled over. And we're still making pretty good time on getting back home. So I call that a success. I just wanted to really get a podcast episode out to you guys because I know that we've been inconsistent with posting. Again, Zeke is not here because, well, we didn't bring him on vacation. Maybe we should have. That would have been a good time. So sorry, Zeke. We are going to do a podcast again, I promise. Uh, Zeke is not gone forever. Uh, Our schedules will eventually work out. and We're going to be able to reconnect and start doing podcasting episodes again. But thank you guys so much for listening. Happy 4th of July, because that's the day I'm recording this on, so we're actually driving back on the holiday. I hope you guys have a fantastic 4th. I hope you guys have a great week. Thank you so much for your support. Make sure you guys like and follow not only the podcast, but all the social media platforms as well. I appreciate each and every single one of you guys. Until next time, peace out, nerds. Bye.